0: It's I on Real Estate on AM 970. The answer.
2: House. We're back. You're listening to Iron Real Estate. I'm Dottie Herman. And we are thrilled to have, as I told you in the beginning of the show, Bernard, as I'll call him Bernie, though, Bernard Carrick. And uh, Bernard Kerrick was the 40th Police Commissioner of New York City under Mayor Rudolph Giuliani on August 21st of 2000. His stewardship of the police department in the aftermath of the September 11, 2001 attacks on the World Trade Center brought him to national attention, for which he was awarded the prestigious Medal of Valor. He now runs the Carrick Group, providing security and counterterrorism consulting services, crisis management, homeland security solutions, and police and criminal justice, and obviously he's big on prison reform strategies, including... Compassionate Relief, which you'll have to tell me what that is. Um, He's also the author of a New York Times bestseller and chilling novel called The Grave about the the looming threat of another orchestrated attack of America. So, if you have questions for Bernie, uh, you can call in at 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622. And if you're driving or from your place to, or you're going to stream this later, um, if you send us uh, you send us to follow us on Twitter or send it to me uh, at zodiherman.com or radio show at Element. I will make sure to get them to Bernie. Uh, again, we don't want you driving and writing. Okay, hi and we're, Hi, Bernie, and we're so thrilled to have you here. Thank you. Okay. So I don't know where to begin, because you have so much I could ask, and everybody here wants to ask questions, and I'm sure the audience wants to, the people listening wants to, but you've spent 30 years in policing and security?
3: About 30 years, about 35 years, yeah. Yeah. Wow.
2: Now, I understand that 10 years of that was in the Middle East?
3: Yeah. um, I worked, um, actually, for the royal family of Saudi Arabia back in 1978 to 1980, uh, 1982 to 84. You know, it's... It's kind of funny, uh, back then, nobody knew, especially in 78, nobody had any idea what Saudi Arabia was, yeah. where it was. I remember I went home, I told my father, I'm going to Saudi Arabia to work. And he was like, Arabia? Yeah. He says, I I saw it in a movie one time, Lawrence. Of Arabia. Wow. <laughs> it was like uh, the, It was like the uh, most he knew, you know. Um, I yeah, so I, I worked, uh, I was in the region for four years. Uh, I worked for the King of Jordan for five years. Wow. Uh, I built their crisis management center. Uh, I built a super maximum security prison uh, for Jordan. And I was also the interim minister of interior for Iraq after the fall of Saddam Hussein. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. I've spent many what years What was
2: that there. like for you? Or was that yeah. like a life-changing? I mean, did you,
3: <laughs> you, you know what? Uh, being in Iraq, uh, especially after the fall of Saddam, was... Um, was an eye-opening experience to say the least because you got to witness um, the damage the destruction, the death the devastation that this guy was involved in. Mm -hmm. You know and everybody at the time they were all worried about the weapons of mass destruction Uh, I I came away from that experience with a different uh, perspective and that is there was one weapon of mass destruction in Iraq, and it was Saddam Hussein. Mm. And he should have been relieved. Uh, he should have been uh, removed. And uh, and he was.
2: Now, Bernie, this is not really a pleasant subject, but, you know, you say, well, this is pleasant, but you say that there is no safer city than in, than in the U.S. than New York, which I do believe. I agree.
3: I mean, right. I agree. Well, listen, you know, things have changed. Uh, you know, this was not a safe city back in 19, in the 90s, in the 80s. Uh, you know, you were here. Uh, you know yes. what it was like pre-Giuliani. In oh. in 1994, uh, Rudy Giuliani took over uh, as the mayor, and he basically had a, a perspective on the city that nobody wants to work, visit, live, or come to visit a place where they don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, in order for us to create economic development, in order, us, uh, in order for us to have great real estate value, you have to reduce crime. Nobody's going to live here. Nobody's going to want to buy real estate here if you don't reduce crime. And, uh, and that was his focus and that was his mission. And for every percentage point, we reduced violence and murder. You could see increases in tourism. Real estate value, economic development yeah. to the point you know during nine eleven up until up until September eleventh itself up until that day, we had the highest tourism in the history of the city, uh, the highest real estate values uh, economic development was off the charts, and it was all a result of that massive crime reduction, which is kind of strange because other cities around the country have not still today chicago, Baltimore milwaukee st louis they haven't learned the lessons of the renaissance of new york mm-hmm. and uh and they should have what, now, what what would you do in chicago i'm just curious what would you do differently
2: She'll let me the money but i borrowed probably 72 million dollars after 9-11 so it was the year that we were expecting a second terrorist attack if you recall and My banker is like, Daddy, am I insane lending you this money? Uh, We would be negotiating and uh, have to leave because we were on orange alert. Uh, And I said, listen, if they blow up the city again, it's over. And I'll have signs Hamptons that way. But the truth is they had faith in the city. And I have to say the city really pulled it together and I think that gained a lot of respect after
3: 9-11. You know, you know what? I, I don't think – I think that's one thing. There, there's two things that the American people um, don't realize. Um, first and foremost, the first responders of New York City on September 11th effected the greatest rescue mission in the history of this country. They took 25 to 30,000 people out of those buildings and the surrounding oh, wow. buildings, but they evacuated They evacuated more than a million people out of southern Manhattan. If you remember the Brooklyn Bridge, if you remember the Queensboro Bridge, people leaving Manhattan, going into Jersey, getting people out of the city, into the four boroughs, was a massive operation. And it went smoothly, effortlessly. Um, They did a phenomenal job. That they
2: did. I mean, it's unbelievable.
3: And and, and nobody, you know, people forget that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the other thing. That's extremely important is that um, the resilience of the people of New York City. I think you know that in itself talks a lot about humanity. It talks about um, the, the, the citizens of New York. when you saw the devastation, the damage, the death that was down here firsthand and close up and personal, you would you would, in your mind, you would almost think. You're never bouncing back from this. Mm -hmm. It's never going to happen. But the reality is, it did happen, and it happened quickly. It happened fast. You know, we we with Dick Rosso, uh, we actually opened the stock exchange in a week on September seventeenth. People thought we uh, we bounced back, uh, went into the stock exchange, got it open, got it up and running. Um, It was it was an amazing time.
2: You, well, it was you? an amazing job yeah. that you, yeah. you, you did. And truthfully, as I said, I don't really see. I, I think that everyone learned an example because I watched New Yorkers say they're not leaving.
3: Yeah, well, listen, down uh, here, down here, uh, you know, Battery Park, you had people, were they lived here. This was their home. Um, you know, they got transplanted for a period of time. But when the time came and the cleanup was done, you know, they all came back. Yeah. And, and they came back in a big way. You know, I've got friends down here in, in the real estate industry. Uh, Metroloft, uh, and, and Nathan Berman, um, you know, has created an empire down here of residential housing. Yeah. Right? Uh, you know, Wall Street, uh, w- Water Street, uh, yeah. Yeah. Broad Street. Um, it, there's been a massive boom. And like I said, this all goes back to the, you know, the resilience of of New Yorkers. Can I ask you, I, as a as a
4: you know lifelong police uh, officer, and um, obviously your perspective is a little different. I'm always interested to hear how uh, police officials, you know, view handguns in, in this country because you know you guys are the ones that have to walk into these houses and not know what's in there. And you know, New Zealand took a took them a week to uh, make tremendous changes after the horrible event there well how do you feel about it here i mean it's got to be very frustrating uh, you know to be a policing in policing and and uh
3: have the number of guns that we have in this country is it frustrating as a police officer honestly uh, i i've been in the business so long and and dealt with this type of stuff um you know I yeah, music that, <laughs> <laughs>
4: that was not intended
3: for your answer. So I uh, it, you know, it, I'm a big supporter of, of the Second Amendment. Yeah. Uh, I believe in it. I, I strongly support it. Um, in my view on guns in general, ninety nine point nine percent of the time we don't good guys with guns. That's not the guys I'm worried about. Those aren't the guys that I'm afraid of. Uh, I'm afraid of, you know, bad guys that get guns and do bad things. Um, You know, in New York City, in all my time as a New York City cop, uh, and this is a true statement, I never ran into a problem with somebody with a gun that had that gun legally. Uh, Every gun I took off the street, every robbery, every, you know, Mm -hmm. homicide or attempted murder, uh, everything I did involving bad guys with guns those guns were obtained illegally uh they were bad guys with guns I never ran into a problem with a good guy with a gun so uh that, and that's my personal view yeah mm-hmm. so
2: Bernie and by the way um uh we're at Ion Real Estate and we have Bernie Carrick the the ex-police commissioner but he was the pl- police commissioner through 9-11 um consultant author I mean he's done it all um so call us at 866-970-9622 if you have any questions for him, or you can send them to us at Uh Did we learn anything
3: from nine eleven? Yeah, a- absolutely. And here's here's what I think we learned most, and, and a lot of this has to do with the real estate industry. Um, you have to be preemptive and proactive when it comes to security solutions. When it comes to crisis management preparedness, when it comes to disaster response, um, when you think of what happened to Katrina in New Orleans, um, they had four, they five, let me see, they had about six or seven days advance notice that there was going to be a massive storm and those levees could go. When the storm got there and the levees went, there was mass chaos. There was no planning, no preparation, no nothing. On September 11th at 8:46 on that morning, was the first time I realized, or the mayor realized, we were under attack.
2: Mm. How did yeah, like just, yeah, how, just how did you just, guys react? Just, how did yeah. you like? When did you? 8:46. I'm not sure. Was that when the first hit? first plane first plane
3: when the first plane hit Tower One? I was actually in my office. I was I just finished working out. I was standing in my bathroom shaving. And my chief of staff came to the door, banging on the door that a plane had just hit Tower 1. And I thought it was a small plane. I thought it would be a Cessna or something, until I looked at a TV that was above my treadmill. And when I did, I could see the damage to the building and realize that was not a small plane. Um, I went down to the scene. I told the mayor I would meet him down on Vesey Street Mm -hmm. um, across from Tower 7. That's where our command center was. And when I got there, uh, we actually couldn't get onto the block because people were jumping. They were jumping from Tower 1, and they were landing on Vesey. They were landing in the courtyard. Um, they were exploding on, on top of the awnings, uh, Tower Tower 2. Um, that, to me, was this, the most disturbing yeah. part of it, just yeah. having watch those, those. Well, cool listen, in, in, the first, in the first several minutes uh, when we got down there, I know some of these visuals have been on TV, but in that first... Probably the first 10 to 12, 15 minutes after the first plane, we watched, I watched dozens of people jump. Mm, dozens. Um, and then I was there when the second plane actually slammed through the north side of the tower too. So when you see that big orange fireball blow out mm. the north side of the tower, mm. I was standing in front of that building when it happened.
2: Now, let me ask you, because for myself, it was so surreal because you, we never believed anything like that could ever happen were you like you were in a different place did you, did you like was it surreal to you i mean obviously you just did what you had to do but like uh, what's
3: going on in your head while yeah. all of that is going on it, you know what it, it, listen uh what's going on in your my head at the time was the response right um it, we had planned and practiced and prepared which goes back to the lessons learned from 1996 up to 2000 Rudy Giuliani had constantly planned and prepared for crises in the city. West Nile virus. We used to do mock drills and tabletop exercises and all this stuff constantly, monthly. Uh, Nobody ever imagined this type of attack. However, there were plans and protocols in place to make sure that if something ever happened, we had the manpower, the resources, the equipment to get it to where it had to be. And on that morning... When that second plane came through the oh. north side of Tower 2 is when I realized we were under attack. Mm-hmm. One, the city closed. I closed the city for the first time, I think, in its history. Two, the response was overwhelming. Every fire department, every firehouse, every police precinct, it was all hands on deck. And um, and everybody knew where they were going, what they were going to do, how they were going to mm-hmm. do it. And... Um, it di- was it was going yeah. quite well until the until the first yeah. building came down. The difference—I uh, actually was in
4: Nairobi in the in the last uh, terrorist attack there. I arrived in Nairobi two hours before it happened, and I expected that they would do as you guys did, shut down the city. And it was completely like night and day. I and mean, it takes mm-hmm. forever, you know, when you don't have the preparation, when you don't have the 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 people on the ground to do it. It was just a much different reaction. And I thought, you know, we take a lot for granted now that we have. A police force that's trained and
3: ready to do that, so. and and you know what that that, that one that one word preparation yeah. is the is the point that you know the, when you talk about lessons learned, mm-hmm. if we learned anything from nine eleven about responding to terrorism mm-hmm. it's being prepared for yeah. terrorism that's what eisenhower being prepared about wars, right? yeah. the security elements you know in in your residential buildings security element in your commercial buildings the security element in the city and then your response plans what happens mm-hmm. if somebody gets through what happens if there is an attack what are you going to do who's going to respond how mm-hmm. are they going to respond yeah.
2: We're going to be coming up for a break, but when we come back from the break, Bernie, what I'd like to ask you, now you wrote a novel, um, The Grave About the Grave, and it's about fears of this happening again. Um, So not that it's a pleasant thought that it might happen again, but it may, and Bernie will talk about his novel, Grave Above the Grave, and about if there's possibilities of the... A future, a future terrorist attack.
5: I mean, Daddy, I'm on the edge right of my if, seat. Yeah, I'm locked too. in right now, so. So we'll be
2: right back, <laughs> right after the break. No one's going to call; they're just going to listen. I yeah.
0: know
6: it. Now, with Justice Neil Gorsuch, a member of the U.S. Supreme Court, what has his influence been? Has the court been more or less partisan? This weekend on Champions of Justice, Tom Girardi talks with James Zirin, the author of Supremely Partisan. A look at the court's history all the way back to 1803 and future politics. Tune in, Champions of Justice, Sunday mornings at 10, here on AM 970, The Answer. Your call
2: will be answered by the next available representative.
6: Thank you for holding. How may I assist you?
5: We were just broken into, and we need a home security system.
6: Oh, sorry, wrong
5: department. Please hold.
6: The best home security isn't hard to get. With Simply Safe, you can get comprehensive, professionally monitored home security online without the hold time or runaround. Order now, and in a few days, be protected 24 7. Go right now to simplysafe.com/slash radio.
5: Relief Factor is made from high-quality fish oil and essential nutrients. Gives your body the help it needs to aid fighting recurring aches and pains. When life's aches and pains get you down, you need relief. Go to www.relieffactor.com, that's relieffactor.com, or call 800 that's 800 This remarkable product is called Relief Factor, relieffactor.com. <laughs> It's I on Real Estate. Got a question?
1: Call 866 970 9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO Dottie Herman.
2: We're back with Bernie Couric, and we just got to talk about 9 11. I want to talk about the novel that Bernie wrote, The Grave Above the Grave, and then I just want to talk about his the security company and what he does now and how. Hes helped me and he's helped me in a situation that I had and he uh, really uh, will tell you how he can help you if you need it and what you can do to make yourself safer. Uh, but let's just start with the novel that you wrote.
3: Uh, so uh, here's the thing. Uh, you know I've written two books prior. both of those were BIOS back to Back to basically capture my whole life. And during the course of this, uh, a friend of mine, Chris Ruddy, who's the chairman and founder of Newsmax Media, we were having dinner one night, and he said, listen, with all this stuff in your head, like all all these years in the Middle East and terrorism and 9-11, you should do a novel. Mm -hmm. You should put something on paper and do a novel. And uh, I came up with an idea. So I wrote a novel about a fiction New York City police commissioner, present day that gets involved in a terrorism investigation after one of his cops are killed in Midtown. and um, But it's got a touch of reality to it because it takes you back through 9-11. In the book, that police commissioner um, on 9-11 was a captain in the first precinct, which is here, right in this precinct where the World Trade Center was. So all his reflection in the book is actually my reflection on what happened that day. And um, so it takes you through this counterterrorism investigation and, you know, it turns into a worldwide hunt for the people that did this. And it made for a compelling read. So, oh, uh, sure. you know, some of the stuff is, as as Chris Ruddy said, I should do. And I did um, some of the stuff for the fears I have. You know, how will we, when people ask me constantly? What do you think? Could there be another 9 Um, You know, do I foresee? People flying planes into buildings like they did on that day, no. But you know what? If we had a series of multiple attacks on the same day at the same time in different cities around the country, I promise you it's going to close down the country. Well, the um, idea
4: also the, that people would get in a plane and fly into a building was kind of foreign to all of us, right? That there were people that were that uh, caught up in their Oh, ideology. the suicide
2: bombers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. you
4: know, yeah. we didn't think that <laughs> that people do that. Well, now yeah, it's, it's it, that's,
3: and that's a really good point because nobody in our society, you know, that's that's behavior that nobody really understands. They don't comprehend. Yeah. But if you ever sat through a debriefing with one of these people that do this stuff— um, I was actually in in Amman, Jordan, when they captured Sajida, the 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 woman bomber that was involved in the blowing up the Grand Hyatt and the Radisson in the Days Inn uh-huh. back in two thousand five. To listen to her in a debriefing as to why she did this, why she wanted to do this, it's pretty insane. So well, you just can't yeah. you can't grasp their, their and mental. they don't
2: value life. They value that afterlife, and don't, I don't, you know, their life. On this earth, I don't really think they value. But let me ask you so. So, you did this book and you did another book, and then you're very involved with jail reform. Um,
4: yep. In what way would you reform prisons, just, uh, I mean, in a nutshell? We don't, we don't have that long. No, yeah. we don't really okay. <laughs> we'll, have yeah, have we'll
2: have to have you <laughs> back. We'll want you to come back. We, no, we'll want we'll you to come back. Well, listen,
3: I'm <laughs> curious. Uh, oh, on on a short note. Give us a
2: cliffhanger. You'll come uh, back yeah, and talk yeah. about it. On,
3: on a short note, I, I was uh, uh, intimately involved in the, uh, in the First Step Act, the, the recent bill that the, mm-hmm. the president signed um, as a part of the, um, the criminal justice reform campaign. Uh, by the White House, by Jared Kushner and, and Donald Trump, um, one of the things that I pushed for um, was that, you know, we, we take people that made mistakes and we stick them in prison for a long time. I'm not talking about bad people that do bad things. We're not talking, talking about, about killers, about, right? I'm not You're talking not about killers. Murderers. I'm not talking about rapists, murderers. I'm talking about people, you know, we take kids, young kids, that are addicted to drugs and we stick them in federal prison for 10 years. 15 years, we give them these long sentences, we stick them in prison, we don't give them any any work skills, mm-hmm. vocational skills, work ethic, we teach them nothing, and then we send them back into society. And make it impossible for them to get a job. Well, it's, you know? it's impossible, primarily, number one, because they're a convicted felon. Right. And when you're a convicted felon, the chances of you getting real work at that point is probably 95% diminished. But then, when they don't have any work skills on top of it, mm-hmm. you destroy their lives. And then people in Washington sit around and wonder why the recidivism rates yeah. going up. Why are they coming back to prison? Well, if they don't have anywhere to go and they can't get a job, that's why they're coming that's back. Like they're so home. that's that's one of the things. But would there's you, there's many things that would should would be. Would you changed.
4: restore the right to vote for people that once they've served their time? I mean, you serve your debt to society. Yeah, long I, long.
3: I think I think the voting issue. I think people focus on it more than yeah. more than the importance of what it really is. But when, and, and this this is a good point to your question. Once they do their time, know, yeah. here's the reality: you're never finished doing your time. Got it. Mm-hmm. You're a convicted felon until the day you die. That that standard that that piece of of you has been removed into, forever. Of course, but, so, but but do you think that you should be able to vote? Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. After vote. after you've done your sentence, after yeah. you've done your probation, they should give you back as much of your life as they can, yeah. and that would be voting as well. But I'll tell you
2: this. That. I I absolutely think they should be able to vote, but that's the least of their problems. It's really getting a job and being able to have a life again. I agree, but anything
4: we do to stigmatize people after they've paid their debt I think is wrong. You know, I mean once you have
2: convicted felon, it doesn't matter. You're stigmatized. That's right. Okay. I'm sorry. Like even if you you know, if you have like a you know, I, I, I know someone's son that maybe was in his first year of college and maybe he was with a girl that was 17, and, you know, he's living with that, you know, and a label that they put on him when he was a kid Yeah, but, so-
3: Dottie, you know what? That, that's, like, one issue. You have people sitting in federal prison for selling a whale's tooth on eBay. Mm. You have commercial here. fishermen sitting in prison that caught too many fish. You have somebody that, here, this is a really good one for you. This is a really good one for you. Somebody enhances their income on a mortgage application. Guess what? The face. Federal prison. <laughs> I like federal the term, prison. I know, the I know income, many of huh? them. Many people <laughs> yeah. that have Listen gone to, to that, federal listeners. prison.
2: If you and, enhance and lie on that application, Bernie's telling you, it's a federal offense.
3: And and it's not just it's not just one count. If you're convicted, it's you know it's mail fraud, it's wire fraud, it's um, you know bank fraud. Yeah. Um, there's all this stuff that goes on. For something, you know, you have a young kid trying to buy his first home. Mm -hmm. He enhances his income on the mortgage application because he wouldn't get the loan otherwise. And, uh, you know, he gets caught up in some audit and he gets, uh, you know, he gets charged and he gets sent off to federal prison for 18 months. You think we incarcerate too many people? Way too many. Yeah. Listen, prison... Is for bad people that do bad things to keep them from doing we, bad things again. People, uh, people yeah. that we're afraid of should be in prison, mm-hmm. not people that made mistakes, not people that we're mad at. We send everybody to prison, and it's it's driven by the media. A lot of it's driven by the media. He got a slap on the hand because, you know, he did something. All right, it, did did it really deserve prison? Was prison necessary? Yeah. You've turned him into a convicted felon. Mm-hmm. You've taken his civil and constitutional rights. You've destroyed his life until the day he dies. Okay, well, let's stick him in prison, too. Yeah, And yeah. It's, okay. just, it's, it's wrong. It's
4: much different to hear on the news somebody got four years. And yeah, but when But for somebody who heard four years, it's a different thing when you hear it, right? I mean, that's what I try to say to people. Unless you're sitting there listening to the judge tell you, Four years. It's that's not a slap on the wrist.
3: That's well, a listen. Here's the bottom line, and this is what I think people don't understand. When you go to prison, it's like dying with your eyes open. Oh, Th- yeah. Your whole life goes on without you. Win it, and a day is like a week. A week is like a month. A month is mm-hmm. like a year. That's what you live in. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because a lot of these folks they don't have a voice, and
4: just listening to Bernie talk about some of the things that we should be doing for them. It's it's quite interesting.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, uh-huh. well, and I think it's people being more aware of yeah. it because media has gotten out of hand, and it's really not about what's real. It's just kind of people's opinions, and the public really doesn't know. It doesn't. So hearing it from you, it's. I hope you come back. Now let me ask you currently, what are you up to? You have a security company? I,
3: I have a, a company. It's called the Carrot Group. Um, I do some private consulting Um, uh, crisis management issues leadership issues um, security related issues Uh, you know some of my clients are real estate people in the city uh, that you know whether it's critical infrastructure in their buildings whether it's architectural design for security purposes um, you know whether it's technology and then that's a big one these days uh, technology cameras uh, there's surveillance systems their internal systems uh, and accountability issues to make sure those things work you know you hire companies to come in and do stuff like that and then you come to find out when somebody comes in to do an audit or something happens bad in your building that you know your cameras didn't work or they wh- whatever the case may be so we look at a bunch of different stuff like that
2: so is it so? Would you? Would it be like a regular, per, like just a person that would call you? Would it be a company? In other words, how do they reach you? And 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 you're saying security? Well, that's broad. So. Donnie,
3: they could reach me through you. They could
2: Yes, <laughs> you could call me. I have a <laughs> <Exactly>. number. <laughs>
3: okay.
2: Yeah. Um, and, just, and I assure y- you, like you know, I'm, I'm I'm asking because truthfully, security encompasses a lot of things. Okay. Yeah. And. It encompasses the buildings, and we have developers that are building great buildings. But you want to make sure they're
3: secure. You want to make sure they're secure, and also people in general. You know, you had a problem. Yes. Uh, Donnie you had mean, a problem. He
2: did, and we're in the middle of a break. <laughs> so I'll let you finish yeah, I remember, it, right? Oh, let's you talk remember about I that was petrified. I told you, I said, petrified. I'll call <laughs> yes. Well, he, We'll be right back. You're listening to Iron Real Estate. I'm Dottie Herman. I'm here with Bernie Carra. Gary Feeney and Ace Wanna Soup Up. We'll be right back after the break.
0: When it comes to protecting your family, home, or business, you need a name you can trust. You need us. Honig Conti Perino Insurance. In Manhattan since 1902. We're family-owned, experienced, and We believe in a face-to-face, roll-up-your-sleeves approach. Our clients receive individual and personal care. Honig Conti Perino. The name to trust. Call 212-777-7113 or honigconti.com H-O-N-I-G C-O-N-T-E dot com Honig Conti Perino. Not just providing insurance, but insurance guidance. Hi, this is Patrick Cullen, President of the New York State Supreme Court Officers Association. Join me for Justice Matters as we take over the AM 970 airwaves every Sunday at noon. Court officers play a pivotal role serving at the front lines of court security in criminal, family, and civil courthouses throughout New York City and the 9th Judicial District. Justice Matters will bring a fresh new perspective on the current challenges and issues facing our criminal justice system and the impact they have on all New Yorkers. The New York State Supreme Court Officers Association's members are uniformed officers in the courts throughout the five boroughs of New York City, as well as Westchester, Rockland, Putnam, Orange, and Dutchess counties. And we are affiliated with the AFL-CIO and the International Longshoremen's Association. SCOA's mission is to continue to improve benefits and protect the rights of all of our members. If it's noon on Sunday, it's time for Justice Matters on AM 970, The Answer.
4: Your table, ladies.
5: Thank you so much. So, Vicki, how have
2: you been? Great. It's been so long. Last time we saw each other was what? Your daughter's wedding on that
5: yacht? What was it? The Atlantis? Yes, the Atlantis. It was perfect for the wedding with its three decks, bridal suite, immaculate restrooms, dance floor, and state-of-the-art sound system. The food and service was great, and I hear they bake those delicious rolls
2: right on board. They do. You know, I've been trying to decide what to do for my daughter's Sweet 16 and some corporate events. You should absolutely book the Atlantis, they do more than just weddings. Sunset cocktail
5: parties, bar and bat mitzvahs, luncheons, and guests are able to board from several locations. Francesca was so easy to work with. Call her at 212-385-9400
2: or email her at events at franstouchofclass.com. Charter
1: the Atlantis for your event today. Call Francesca at 212-385-9400 or visit Touchofclass.com. For a limited time, mention AM 970 for a free menu upgrade on the Atlantis.
5: When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. I feel like I'm choking.
1: Prevent your child's next asthma attack.
6: Visit www.noattacks.org or call your doctor. Because even one attack is one too many.
5: I feel like a fish with no water.
6: Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. Business owners, the strongest selling proposition is to get your customer into your store in front of your product. Now you can do that digitally everywhere with Salem Surround. Digital marketing that puts your products and services on people's computers, tablets, and mobile phones everywhere. There are no limitations on where you can reach customers. Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to surroundnewyork.com. Surroundnewyork.com. Connecting you with new customers.
1: It's I on real estate. Got a question? Call 866 970 9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO Dottie Herman.
2: Okay, we're back. You're listening to my own real estate. We're here, and we're so lucky to have him here. We're all kind of spellbound. We could listen to him for another two hours or more, and we have asked him to come back. But anyhow, Bernie Carrick has a company that he started uh, for security, and I said security encompasses a lot of things, and uh, he was just going through some of the things that he does. And somebody brought up that, and I, I think I said it in the beginning of the show or somewhere in the show that I... I had a problem and uh with somebody who was kind of for a while following me or mm-hmm. appearing mm-hmm. for harassing you and, and calling right? with all different names and pretending he was all different people and then he'd be in the place that I lived and he'd call and say, Oh, you know, I'm down and with different names. And so eventually, um someone said, Well, call Bernie, you know, and so I did <laughs> and he helped me so what first of all how do we reach you I mean you can always get me and and I will get get him
3: You, you know but- what they, honestly Dottie, uh, I'm all over social media the, the, whether Just, it's Twitter uh, Instagram um, you know So the, they should the, follow
2: the, you Yeah they yeah. should follow
3: me uh, the carrot we all, group uh, the carrot dot, dot com, uh you know okay. my name uh so uh you know and you can you can take a look at the website and see exactly what it is we do Um, But on the security element, uh, you know, what happened to you, uh, as we talked about during the break, happens to a lot of people. And social media today um, gives complete lunatics a voice. It does. And, you know, not only does it give them a voice, but it puts them in a position where they can sort of monitor what you do and where you go. And as I said earlier during the break, uh, you know, some of my clients, I'll tell them, you know, if you're going to. You're going to talk about, you know, you want to promote a restaurant. You want to promote a, a venue. You know, that's fine. But don't do it while you're there. Mm-hmm. Don't put, you know, don't put in an Instagram photo, you know, I'm hanging at uh, Cipriani's uh, because your stalker who's just waiting for that thing mm-hmm. to show up, uh. he's going to jump to Cipriani's the second he sees it. You want to say you were Cipriani's? You could say it. 15 but, minutes after you're in the car and you're you know, gone. That's, that's a good close, idea. Yes. That is
2: really a great mm-hmm. idea because everyone wants to be in real time and in the moment. And if you're posting in the moment, uh, you know what, though, they that, know exactly that 15, where you are. And that 15 we, minutes is still close enough. That the 15
3: moment. minutes is close enough, number one. Number two, there's nothing more important than your safety mm-hmm. and security. Nothing. So for people out there that are in a position where they get stalked and I've got... Right now, I've got three or four different people that I help. Um, you know, it, there's nothing more important than your safety and security. So you have to watch what you do.
4: And you can't disappear in this world with social media. I
6: mean, no.
3: you can't. <laughs> it's impossible. No, well, listen, you, know? you can't disappear, period. Yeah. Forget about social media. Social media just enhances it. But at the end of the day, you know, it's uh, last week, We two weeks ago, we had that. Homicide in Staten Island. Uh, You know, everybody thought it was a mob hit. Right,
2: that's what I thought. (laughs) Yeah,
3: Uh, I heard about that. You know, so I I did, I was on Piscopo's radio show, and I said, look, you know, they're going to, it'll be 72 hours, you know, maybe less. They'll get the guy, and and everybody's like, yeah, but how how are you so sure? Today with technology, even in a residential area, Mm -hmm. in a residential area, the chances of there being Mm -hmm. ring- you know monitors on doorbells, yeah you know how much data you collect from yeah. those if you want um, there's you know you walk here, walk to this building, there isn't an, an inch on the streets around this building where you're not right. captured on some camera. camera
4: by the way when that when um, that Staten island uh, killing happened uh, did you Think to yourself, this doesn't sound professional. When I when I read the account, I'm like,
3: this doesn't sound <laughs> no. Professional listen to me, this sounds know, like amateur no, to me. Yeah, it was, it, when I heard when I heard twelve rounds and he was hit six yeah. times. I yeah. said, no, it's. I don't think it sounds. Bombarded. I have a better shot than that. You know, yeah. what, you, know? you know the old time. You know in the old days when these guys did this stuff, it was two shots in the back of the head and that yeah. was it. You're done. Right, right. It was you a know, person move not on. at their home and
4: their family. Yeah, alive, right. But,
3: okay,
2: so I th- because. So we're going to everyone should follow Bernie, and on top and of that read, read the, the book. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Tell us the name. Again. you are
2: such an interesting person, and you've lived it. you know i I kind of listen to a lot of people who speak it, but have not lived it, and it's very different when you've lived it and then speak it. Uh, and security is you know, I mean, look, I'm a woman, and truthfully, I take a lot that i just don't think about, you know, because you can only be so cautious and with social media it's tough, but there are things that you can learn. And uh buildings which you you counsel uh, and and work with probably the architects and stuff how to make them safe. And even the security systems in the building. That's right. Because i won't mention the building i'm in, but it's a great building and i love it. Yeah. But uh the guy got to my door a bunch of times and um, he would just say that it was for me, you know. That and sc- That was scary. But that and, was and, and then one day he smart. had a, it was like 6 or 7 in the morning and said when I work out, I had just come back from working out and, you know, there was a, a knock at my door. And somebody got up.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was like, and I have to ask you this question. So I was like, well, I was like, I now I'm, I knew somebody was, because they were it was a while already, And I called security. I said, there's somebody at my door. I'm not opening it. It's like 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock in the morning. And it was this kid. Mm
4: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: And um, they called. They got the NYPD. And they told me he's a bad guy. And he was a kid. But he said he was just from India. Somebody gave him money to deliver something to me. I said, you don't know me. Why would you do that? And so... The security systems in the building sometimes can be sloppy,
3: too. Mm. Well, they could be sloppy or they could be non-existent. Well, they're not. You know, the the bottom line is, and and I think the the good thing about building, especially in New York City today, um, there's a lot of things taken into consideration going into these buildings. Um, You have intelligent video. Basically, you have video technology that will identify... A foreign package left in a vestibule. Mm-hmm. Somebody walks in and puts a package in and walks away.
2: Because that's easy, it's right? Gonna, so it's going to flag.
3: It's going to flag. You know the security services, the the monitors, the control center, and it's going to identify. Tell them you got to watch this thing, whatever this thing is. Um, you know, it, you have to be. You have to plan. You have to prepare. You have to. Mm-hmm. You know, put in the right measures going into it. And for builders, for builders overall, do it from the beginning. To do anything retroactive, you're paying three times more. Yeah, So you know what? Do it right. Do it up front. And
2: what about... Do, would you advise people who have their like their home, like a single family home? We're talking about apartments and buildings. What about the millions of residential people that have houses?
3: Well there's cameras would, all over the place. Uh, yeah, exactly. All over the place. You know, <laughs> in this day and age, especially in this day and age, cameras—they uh, yeah. don't cost. They, you know, it's less than a hundred dollars per camera. Yeah. You know, there's a bunch of stuff that you and, can do in your residence, in your home, okay, to and, secure your and home. light. What too, kind I mean,
2: of things would you, again? What kind of things would you tell people to be like on the lookout because you know uh, you know for example, even with social media, I have a big following i don't know half the people who they are, really, okay, and i'll never forget uh, and then of course, a lot of uh, people work for Douglas Elliman. Mm-hmm. when you get to eight thousand people, you just can't know them all, so I thought it was somebody agents I said, you know oh you know I, I'm really not feeling well, I'll try to meet you another time or two weeks from now, and uh. The guy wrote back, like, a couple of days later, you know, I'm not, I, I don't know who you, I'm, I'm a, I, I don't know, I'm somebody, and he was just, I didn't know who he was. And I don't know who a lot of people are, so, and we all live in that world. Uh, what, are there any signals that somebody should look for if you, or there, that, that they might need to call you, or there's Listen, warning here's, signs? Here's the
3: thing, here's the thing that uh, I think, it's a matter of common sense. Do but I not know,
2: everyone has common sense. Do I, I, do do I know
3: small. them or not? It's know not them, number one, right? <laughs> right sure. Do I know them or I don't know them? If I don't know them, all right, don't trust anything. Don't trust anybody. When you see somebody, you know, you get an email or you get a social media contact, that person can be anyone. Mm-hmm. It right. can be anyone until you confirm that the person on the other end of that message is really who they say they are. Until you do that. You cannot trust them. You have to because be in, yeah. yeah, yeah. In today's day and age, anything is possible. You can change your identity. You can change photos. Mm-hmm. You know, by the thousands. So, you know. So if they ask for a meeting, let's just say they they say, you know what, you're, you know, we, I want to sit down with you, just pick your brain. What would you do, Bernie? Just well, there's a screening process. Screening process. You know, yeah, you, you have that. to create a screening process to make sure that before you. Oh know,
2: gosh, I never do that. I know, I'm looking so at Dottie true. right now, and I
3: don't do that either. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. no, you ha- you know there has to be a screening process where there's a confirmation of who that person is, what they intend, what they want. You know, it's like somebody call, you know, you talk can about... Can we take lessons? You can,
2: talk. Do we, can we use you to for us to educate us better? Because I'm telling you, especially in our business, mm-hmm. millions of people. Yesterday, somebody was saying, oh, like Facebook said, who are the last five people because there's some, some security thing. That I go, look, I don't really know the last five people I answer. I don't even know who they are. Yeah. But I just try to answer them. Yeah, so I have so much more to ask you, and we're coming to an end. Would you give us all that information again to find you? And I hope you, you come can, on the show again. You can again. reach
3: me on the Carrick Group dot com. Uh, Bernard Carrick on Twitter. Uh, Bernard Carrick on LinkedIn. I mean, uh, all the and we uh, will post it name of the The novel? Grave Above the Grave is the novel. Okay, that's ordered the most on Amazon.
4: Everybody should get it. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm going to read it. Sounds like a good one. Although I'll, I'll be scared to stay alone. Probably <laughs> you'll have to
2: go, Bernie. <laughs> I'm <afraid> he can.
3: <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for being Thank you so much. Really, it
2: was great. I hope you come back again. Thank you. And uh, we'll post it on our social media sites, too. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Don't get too cold. It's still freezing out. And we'll be back next week.